Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, you find myself and Matt Roberts in the media lounge of the O2 Arena on the eve, no, on the eve, eve of the Nito ATP finals. David Law is elsewhere. Don't worry, though, you will get your David Law fix for all those law fans out there. Uh, he'll be featuring uh, on this Fed Cup finals by BNP Paribas preview podcast. We'll also be talking about media day here at the O2. Matt and I have just been to that. Uh, got all sorts of tales of speaking to top eight tennis players. Matt has been following events in Perth very closely indeed because we are on the eve of the Fed Cup by BNP Paribas. I think that's the last time I'm going to say it in full because it's a, it's a mouthful. The Fed Cup by BNP Paribas finals in Perth where I've seen some pictures of the stadium, the, the setting. It looks utterly breathtaking. Some of the, the quotes that have come out of the, the pre-final press conferences have been really interesting and we've had the draw as well, Matt, so tell us things my alarm is set for 3am tonight <laughs> which I'm slightly anxious about but I think I, I think I'll be alright because it should be a good tie to wake up to at that hour I don't wake up for many things at that hour but I think Fed Cup final I can I can manage I'm, I'm, I'm fine with time differences generally but having tennis taking place on two completely different time zones is is problematic. It is problematic. <laughs> yes, this is true. It's yeah. going to be worse for the second day of the Fed Cup final, which leads into the opening day here at here at the O2. But yes, the draw has happened, and it sees the first match: Alia Tomjanovic against Kristina Mladenovic, and then Ash Barty against Caroline Garcia. So those are the two matches on the opening day. Um, Interestingly, Tomjanovic leads the head-to-head two-love against Kristina Mladenovic. How recent are those two meetings? But that is the caveat. They haven't played since 2014, I think. Oh, wow. Which is interesting because they've kind of grown up on the tour together. They're only one week apart in age and they they kind of know each other. I think they're... Their dads used to play handball against each other, Christina Mladenovic was You mentioned saying. that fact to me over lunch, and that it's not even the most niche bit of tennis <laughs> knowledge that Matt has come out with today, of which more later, folks. I'm slightly concerned I might be in the presence of some sort of cyborg. Um, <laughs> but good knowledge, good knowledge. And Ash Barty leads the head-to-head 2-1 against Garcia, 
with one of those meetings very recently, just a month or so ago, in Wuhan, uh, which was a three-setter Barty Wuhan one. Wuhan Wuhan Bolden. We're not, I'm not sold on <laughs> no, that no. at all. Don't know why I keep saying it. Anyway. Um, so on on paper, Australia has the age, and obviously they they have the home support, as you said in in Perth. It's the arena which has hosted the Hopman Cup for a few years, and it looks stunning. It does, doesn't it? Some of the photos just it, take your breath away. Yeah, um, it's a, what thirteen thousand five hundred seater arena. It's packed out the Perth RAC arena, as you say, where they hold the uh, the Hopman Cup. I, I assume it's a sellout. I think it's a sellout. Yeah, it's certainly very close to a yeah. sellout. The French team keep saying we're not sure how many French fans. <laughs> <laughs> are going to come uh, given that it's 24 hour trip so uh, you know and that is a big deal in these in these tires that is what they're known for having having sections of away support which often get seated quite near the court and are quite loud but if they don't have that it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic does play out in the match um, but I think there's something quite poignant I think about Ash Barty playing for Australia at the end of the year she she said that she circled the Fed Cup at the start of the year it was an event she prioritised and now she, and now here she is as the world number one leading Australia to try and win the Fed Cup for the first time in what was it 45 years they haven't won this tournament for 45 years haven't reached the final for 26 years so yeah. it's a really big deal 1974 Yvonne Goolagong was part of the team and amazing and Barty, I suppose, with the with her indigenous heritage, like mm. Gulagong, kind of follows follows in her footsteps yeah. a little bit in that respect. They've lost eight finals in a row. Yeah, Ouch. <laughs> going back to seventy four. Ouch! That that's, is that's. I mean, <laughs> that's that's not a what's, good record. What's another? You could well, say, yeah. or it's about time to win one. You also could say, uh, 2003 is the last time that France won a title. We'll come on to talk about the French team in due course, but perhaps we should deal with the Australian team first, not least because there's quite a lot of talking points. Obviously, Ash Barty is one of them. Um, Ila Tomjanovic, very much another, and we'll come on to that. But first of all, as I said, David Law fans, you shall not be disappointed uh, because David's been speaking to the Australian Fed Cup coach, Nicole Pratt, um, just a few hours ago, in fact, uh, he had the chat. Um, got up nice and early for it. Thank you, David. Uh, let's hear what Nicole has to say from inside the Australia camp. Uh, yeah, we've had a fantastic uh, preparation this week. Uh, a little bit different in the sense of um, Ash obviously winning the, the championships in Shenzhen and Sam making the semifinals. So they got in a little bit later, but the fact that they'd had so much tennis, I think, you know, obviously bode well for the weekend. How are they sort of bearing up at the moment? Because, I mean, it's it's not a huge time change, is it? But uh, obviously it's more travel, it's a long year, particularly Ash. I mean, there's had an incredibly busy uh, year, incredibly successful one. But how, how are they looking to you? Uh, listen, they're surprisingly uh, fresh in the sense of uh, we tapered off, I guess, the first couple of days they arrived, went went light. And then, you know, especially Ash, she stepped it up over the last sort of couple of days, uh, just fine-tuning a few different things. And and I guess, you know, also we're back in Australia. Uh, what an amazing achievement. And so I think she's just really looking forward to, you know, in a way this being the last week, but, you know, what a way to finish the year. As you say, in Australia, what an occasion. And 
I was looking at some of the records. I think it's 26 years since Australia have been in the final. It's 45 years since they've won the title. Um, it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, we've got we've had such a strong tradition in in Fed Cup, as obviously in the men's uh, with Davis Cup. But you know, the fact that you know, I feel really proud and privileged to be a part of this team. And Alicia Mollick is captaining uh, the team and has done so over the last sort of seven or eight years. And and it really is a special time. And and the fact that you know, so many other players before us uh, inspired us. And then what we're trying to do is is make sure that we continue the tradition with our with our younger players and you know and Ash she's started off as one of those youngsters in the team and and now she's become sort of one of the senior most experienced players as well as Sam Stosa uh, but yeah it's a great tradition and we're certainly in Australia proud of what we've done and particularly this year and uh, if we could get the win and uh, break the 45-year drought, then uh, that would obviously be uh, icing on the cake for a great year in Australian women's tennis. Well, you've got a, a number one player there who has had the most stunning year. Um, obviously, I think most of us looked at her coming in as the world number 15. We thought maybe, she, I think she was talking about wanting to be firmly entrenched in the top 10 by the end of the year. And yet here she is, world number one, Grand Slam champion, WTA finals winner. How much of a surprise is this to you? Uh, well, I won't say I thought it was coming. Uh, <laughs> I, but at the same time, like, it's not a surprise in the sense that everything Ash has done throughout her career, it's almost like she's, you know, half the time that it takes for most people to get where they want to get to. So uh, it's almost like she's, you know, on speed dial. Uh, in terms of, you know, the next progressions in her career. So in the juniors, you know, she won Junior Wimbledon at 15, uh, cracked the top 100 uh, soon after. So everything's just happened so quick for Ash. And, you know, and when she sets her mind to something, uh, the results just seem to come. So uh, we've all known she's had a tremendous amount of, of, you know, potential talent and the fact that, you know, she's put it all together this year and, and probably – you know, she said it herself, she's in a team that she's exceeded their expectations. So, um, yeah, great year. And I guess the next step will be trying to consolidate in 2020. I was uh, commentating last week on, on Ash when she won the WTA finals. And I was I was just speculating in commentary that, that probably of all the Grand Slams that she might have won, I think most people thought that the clay and the French Open would be the, the least likely. Anki Othavong, who was sitting next to me, said, well, everybody thinks that except Nicole Pratt. Mm, she said that, she said that <laughs> you, you predicted this. Yeah, I, I guess I did because I was fortunate enough to um, travel with Ash uh, at, as a 15-year-old and, and we went overseas to Europe and, and she won Charleroi, the, um, the grade one. In, in a first outing and yeah I just think a game is she's got so much variety and the fact that on the clay she's got a little bit more time uh and what she's done over the last period of time is just in, improved her physicality immensely so yeah I always thought and I've always had a running joke with Ash that I I believe that if she does win a grand slam the first one will be uh the French Open and she just kept sort of laughing me off so it is a little bit yeah it's it's uh 
yeah, we had we had a chuckle this year. Put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Um, you've also got for the first time in this particular final, you've got Isla Tomljanovic as part of the team. How, how is she bedded in? Because obviously, it's a it's a big deal to come in for your debut in a situation like this. Yeah, it is. Uh, I guess yeah, we're a little bit sort of apprehensive. I guess you could say in terms of how she would sort of fit into the team, but. Um, she has been absolutely incredible from from the first minute she arrived. Uh, she's embraced the team concept. Uh, you know, she's extremely, uh, you know, just friendly, uh, bubbly, outgoing, and she's just fitted in incredibly well into the team and and playing some great tennis this year. Uh, it's been a process for her. I mean, this to get an Australian sort of passport and then be made eligible to represent Australia, it's been a five-year process, and, and she's been completely committed to that throughout. So, um, you know, to, the fact that she's walked into a final and, and she's just taking everything in a stride. I, I don't know if you saw last night, but uh, she did a rookie speech uh, at the ITF dinner, and she absolutely nailed it in terms of – and it was so genuine to see how proud she was to be representing the green and gold on the weekend. Oh, that's really cool. That's great. Um, well, it'd be fascinating to see her play. Uh, she has been picked alongside Ash and Sam Stosa in the, the initial lineup there, and it's Caroline Garcia, Kikli Medenovic. Um, it's, you know, it's a strong team on, on both sides. Um, and you as the coach, we, we obviously know Alicia is the captain. What does the coach do? How, how deep do you go in terms of things that you bring to the table because I suppose there's there's all thing all manner of things you can do, but you you've only got a, a week or so with the actual players. Uh, yeah, that's true, and probably that's where you know as much as I can, I try and sort of build those relationships um, throughout the year with a lot of the players on the team. Uh, I guess the role that I predominantly um, perform is I guess a little bit you know my skill set is the ability to prioritise what's important very quickly. And I use sort of a lot of um, vision and, and evidence-based um, principles to come up with those things. So with the relationship and then you've got sort of, I guess, the evidence to back it up, you tend to get sort of buy-in from the player. Um, it's, a, it's a team effort. Like the coaches sit down and, we're, and there's three or four of us that go through vision on our opponents with a fine-tooth comb to try and figure out, okay, well, how are we going to beat them and how best do our players um, match up against them in, in certain sort of situations, whether it be serving, returning, uh, patterns of play. So, yeah, that's predominantly the role uh, that I play and, you know, coaching is what I do on a day-to-day basis. So the fact that I, I get the opportunity to work with an amazing group of people and, and influence them in some small way, especially in a week like this, is, is really, really rewarding. So when you say evidence-based, does that mean you've got statistics to hand as to which direction maybe an Elise Corne might serve in a particular situation and, and which area of the opponent's game to target? Correct. Um, so we pretty much analyse every serve, every return, um, you know, where players are making their errors from. Uh, is it inside the court? Is it behind the baseline? Is it after they've moved out to their back end and the errors are coming off the forehand? So, yeah, we, we really do um, spend a lot of time with, with the statistics and then also the vision. Like when I'm coaching and I, and I see errors, I just don't see an error. I ask myself the question, you know, why did that error happen? Was it because the player has a technical deficiency? Is it because their movement pattern isn't great? Or 
it's the fact that they've sort of pressed for time after being in another corner. So, yeah, you, you know, if you spend enough time doing it, there, there really are some strong patterns that, that come out, particularly the women's game. That's fascinating. Just just finally, Nicola, you've got some pretty extreme weather coming your way tomorrow, haven't you? It's going to be quite warm. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's uh, going to be 40 degrees. Um, even today, It's I think we're in the 30s, but yeah, it's, it's very hot. So uh, if the roof stays open, which we think it is going to stay open, it, it, it's going to be a, a test for the fittest athletes out there. I think the the mentality is going to be really important tomorrow. And, you know, I have to think with, you know, 15,000 screaming fans for us, I'd like to think that uh, we've got somewhat of an advantage on, on a hot, hot day. Well, you've whetted my appetite for it, uh, Nicole. I'm really looking forward to the tie. Uh, wish you all the best and uh, and hope you enjoy the experience and maybe get the right result from your perspective. Yeah, thanks very much, David. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, it's just fantastic for women's tennis. Really proud of the team. Right, so what about these hot conditions tomorrow? Let's find out if Caroline Garcia is worried about them. Nope. Have you ever played in 40-degree heat before? Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, we played in Australia every year, so we... I, I cannot say we are used to play at under 40 degrees, but I think we all did once in our lives. So, of course, it's a tough test, but I think we are ready for it. And uh, if we cannot handle it in one weekend for Fed Cup final and to get our name on the trophy, I mean, that means we are not worth it. So I think we are all ready for the effort. So the answer is no. Caroline Garcia is not worried about the hot conditions in Perth. They're made of strong stuff, these tennis players. I'd be sweating just at the mere thought of that kind of heat but that is why I'm not a professional athlete um, a reminder before we come on to, to talk about the various discussion points there that if you want to watch the Fed Cup by BNP Paribas final you can do so via the ITF website um, there'll be live streaming of all the matches on there so that's where you need to go uh, to watch the matches of course they are through the night in the UK so if you want to follow it via the tennis podcast you can do so via our daily podcast i mean it feels like we might be doing daily podcasts until the end of time but it is in fact just until the end of the tennis season but similarities <laughs> yes 20 and 18 days something like that it's a lot isn't it's it there lot. is going to be a day coming up where we will do two podcasts very soon very very soon it will be a first and a last <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well well yeah okay so talking points in terms of the Australian team, Matt, there's, I mean, we touched on Barty. I love that quote about this being some, something that she had targeted right at the start of the year. Before, to use David's words, Ash Barty was Ash Barty, of course. We sort of, we we circled Miami as the moment that Ash mm. Barty became Ash Barty. Um, but she really, she's really likeable, Nicole Pratt, isn't she? She's, she's smart and insightful and you can see why and how she gets those players to, to respond to her. And Ash Barty is going for a record. So in terms of getting Australia to this final, she has earned all their points this year. She won both her singles matches um, when they beat the USA in round one and both her singles matches when they beat Belarus in the semifinals and she also combined to win the doubles in both those. So she's got a perfect... 6-0 and record in the Fed Cup this year. If if she were to repeat that and go 9-0, and she would be the first player ever to go 9-0 and in a Fed Cup 
season since it switched to the current format, which I think was somewhere in the mid-90s. So, no pressure be... or anything, Ash, but Australia have lost eight in a row yes. and they're relying on you for all their points to not lose nine in a row. And, and it would just be symbolic, symptomatic of what Nicole Pratt was saying about how Barty... I love that term, she seems to be on speed dial. Like, she seems to just achieve things at such a fast rate. And, you know, most people would build their Fed Cup career and their record over time. She's just kind of, this year, hit the hit the boosters and thought, I'm just going to win everything. Yeah, she'll and be Prime Minister this time next yeah. year. <laughs> well, it changes so often in Australia, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think Art Barty's obviously a, a huge talking point, not only from her tennis, but also just her cultural place in Australia. I think at the moment I was speaking to the Australian tennis writer Matt Trollope, who was telling me that Barty is such a big deal in the, at the moment. You can make a case that she's our biggest sports star, you know, in a sports mad country, to think that, you know, Ash That's Barty, so the tennis great, player, is so cool, so I think. So cool, And yeah. um, he sent me a link to an article that she topped the Australian Financial Review uh, list for most culturally powerful Australians and um, do you think she'll win Australian of the year possibly I mean she has to be because they announced the that running. during uh, the Australian Open don't they yes they do and like she's Pat Rafter kept winning it sort of even after he'd retired <laughs> <laughs> finally now Ash Barty can win it and uh, she's already won the Don Award which I, as far as which is the Don Bradman I think it's named after him I think it's a little bit like our sports personality um and this and this article was really interesting because it talked about why Ash Barty is culturally significant and important. And just quoting from it here, it says that she she brings a sense of rare and collective joy to the nation because everyone can get behind her. Because and they this article specifically compared her to more recent Aussie tennis players who they've had, in particular Kyrgios and Tomic, saying that. They were kind of more in it for their behaviour. That's why they were well known. But Barty, you get a sense that you can both be a really good person and really good at something. And there's something really powerful about that which people have got behind. And also she embodies all these Aussie values of understating everything and turning her hand to all sports and being good at all of them. And, And she is proud of her Aboriginal heritage. She was wearing earrings of the... Uh, Aboriginal flag during her press conferences and she says she plans to wear them on court this week this weekend she got given them by a little boy at one of the training sessions that they were doing with the kids so she really embraces that side of it as well emotional backstory so I think there's as much as the tennis is really powerful with Ash Barty I think her story and what she's come to represent will also be on display this weekend given that she's representing Australia let's assume that Ash Barty doesn't end up having to secure all the points for Australia. Let's assume, let's imagine a world where Ilya Chomlanovich mm. plays a significant part in whatever happens over the course of this weekend. How will that be received? How will how will what are the potential consequences of that given given the backdrop of of her being allowed to compete for Australia at this this Fed Cup tie? Well, I think that's exactly it. I think if she plays a big important part and wins a tie and that determines the outcome of the overall tie, I think there will probably be 
some fallout from that, given given the personalities in particular in the French team. Yeah, they're not afraid to speak out about stuff, even internally, internally against one in another, of which more to come. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to just to bring it to the forefront, if you're not au fait with the situation with Tomljanovic, this is going to be her first Fed Cup tie representing Australia. She played previously for Croatia in Euro-Africa zone stages in 2010 and 2011. She com- began competing for Australia uh, back in 2014 on the tour, um, but she couldn't have Australia next to her name on the WTA tour um, until January 2018 when she was given citizenship. Um, I, I, think, I think the issue most people would point to um, with regards to this is the consistency mm. of the rules regarding nation representation because the uh, the most obvious example to point to is that of Aliash Bednay who was rejected uh, as a um, British Davis Cup player because he had previously represented Slovenia. Um, does this situation differ to, to Bednay in any tangible way? Is that is that a is that a valid criticism of the situation? Well, I think in some respect, no, because actually Bednay had only ever played what you might call a friendly, a, de- a dead rubber, whereas Tomjanovic mm. has actually played And is that that's live. the critical difference? No, but that would actually probably be an argument against switching Tomjanovic over, given that she's played live rubbers in the past. Um, it's a combination of factors the ITF have said, uh, including the fact that at the time of the application, it had been eight years since she played for Croatia, so more the time frame rather than the actual nature of the tie that she played. Um, and that she did it when she was a junior, and also that her application was supported by Croatia, whereas the Slovenia Federation never, they, never gave us support. They Bednay. fought to keep him. Yes. <laughs> we need him. Um, yeah, the, a quote in uh, last week's column by Stu Fraser in The Times, a quote from an ITF spokesperson um, on the situation saying, a number of cases have been brought to appeal by national associations since the Davison Fed Cup eligibility rules were updated in 2015. Uh, both Bednay and Tomljanovic's appeals were considered based on the same 2015 set of criteria, but their cases were very different which is which is what you're which is what you're pointing to and there there are differences and i think part of the reason that the bedene case um got so much traction and so much publicity is that people thought it was the wrong decision people thought he probably should have been able to play for great britain so it is kind of a positive step that they are op- opening it up but as you said it's the consistency of that ruling which is a little bit unclear but i i do think they're moving towards the right place of if you're representing that country on the tour, shouldn't you be able to play Fed Cup and Davis Cup for that nation as well? It's just the timing of it being a final is controversial and the way it compares to that Bedenay case, which I think is making it a bit of a, a slightly controversial topic ahead of this final. Yeah, and as we say, it feels like the recipe is there for some potential aggro. Yes. <laughs> Um, which would be good. Which would be great. We're we're all we're all here for that because yeah, Caroline Garcia, Christina Medenovic, they don't mind having a few things to say. Julien Beneteau, incidentally, is the coach of the French uh, Fed Cup team, new for this year. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, I had to look up who was the uh, the Fed Cup coach for France. I wasn't expecting to see Julien Beneteau's name, but g- good luck to him. Yeah, Julien Beneteau, who in his 
his tour playing days was not renowned for winning finals, given given he, he was, never did, did he? He, he never won a final. Um, I think oh, he's, he's obviously in singles. He won doubles and he did win Davis Cup playing for yes. France. So okay. he's, he is experienced in that, in these team competitions. And his first thing that he did this year was bring Caroline Garcia back, basically. I think part of that was Garcia wanting to come back and Benito saying, I want her, she's our number one. Yeah, and it, look, for me, that is... But that sort of thing, getting getting the players that you want into the fold, getting mm. them wanting to play and getting a unity, that's probably the biggest part of that yeah. job. They're not th- these players all have their own coaches. It's not about forehands and backhands mm. and tactics. I mean, yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a bit of that, but it, that's not really the main job of a a Davis Cup coach, is it? I mean, yeah, they, the Davis all, all Fed Cup coach, of course. I mean, there might be some tactical stuff on the court, but it's more about galvanising a team and getting them wanting to play and wanting to play for you Mm. and he's obviously done that with Garcia because she's not had a great year on the tour her rankings dropped to somewhere in the 40s I think now she should not be there she really shouldn't given her skill set and what we've seen from her in the past a lot of parallels I mean I think Mm. Medenovic has a, a lower ceiling yes. than, than Garcia does. I mean, Garcia should be a top 10 player. But she has saved her best tennis for the Fed Cup this year. She um, she won two ties in their first match this year against Belgium, and then she won uh, also a tie against Romania in the semi-finals. And that was a, that was a really big deal for France to beat Romania. A, a Simone Hallett-led Romania. And she made it very known how much she wanted she the, the Fed Cup, didn't she? She was inspired yeah. in that tie, and yet they managed to, they managed to take her down in the, um, in the decisive doubles. And that was Garcia and Kiki Mladenovic combining, which obviously I find their backstory really fascinating because it was the, it was the Fed Cup final that France reached in 2016, which they lost. And four of the five members of this team were in that team. So it's pretty much the same team. And it was after that Fed Cup final where their relationship broke down. Completely disintegrated, yeah. And they were... It was pretty nasty, actually, at points. It makes me really sad when doubles partnerships Mm. go awry. See last week's podcast on Ruiner, but it's French. But then the payoff, if they get back together, as we now know, is is doubly good. But it's But, I mean, so that... That axis, that Garcia Mladenovic partnership, has been fundamental to France's success in the Fed Cup because, you know, the last two years Garcia hasn't played Fed Cup. France haven't been so strong in this competition. She's back as both a singles player and doubles with Mladenovic, and suddenly they're in the final again. She is fundamental to this team. And who were the other two that were in that 2016 final? So that was um, Elise Cornet and Pauline Parmentier. Oh, yeah, and then you've got Fiona Ferro this year, who who wasn't in in there around in 2016. And so for Australia, so to be clear, we've got captain, coach Benito, we've got Garcia, we've got Mladenovic, we've got Fiona Ferro, we've got Pauline Pomontier and Elise Cornet. Correct. And for Australia, we have coach Nicole Pratt, Ash Barty, of course, leading the way, Ilya Tomljanovic, Sam Stozer. Yeah, and then captain, obviously, Alicia Mollick. And then Astra Sharma and Priscilla Hon make up make up the rest of the team. So it's one of those where you think, do you want a really strong 
number one, like Australia have got with Ash Barty, mm. or do you want a bit more depth, like France have got with, you know, they could probably call on Madenovic Garcia, Cornet, it's, and the rest of them, really. It's a classically French situation, isn't it? They've got, they haven't got the standout player, but they've got yeah. more depth. And history has kind of shown you, you probably want the number one, I think. Yeah, I mean, see... I mean, my, my childhood is is punctuated by watching Tim Henman yeah. <laughs> win Davis Cup ties single-handedly. I remember one against Thailand, I think, where he, he... I mean, obviously, he was partnered in the doubles, but basically single-handedly won that tie. Mm. I mean, it is possible, but I think, I think you want to see... I think you want to see a nation win it where it's a group yes, contribution. Yes, it feels like you should be rewarded for the whole strength of the team. Yeah. And look, Australia have got other good players as well. Obviously, Sam Stozer, who we haven't mentioned so much, mm. has played this competition for 16 years and is kind of... Ash Barty talks about her paving the way for herself, really. You know, former Grand Slam champion, t- top of the game for so long. And she she could play a crucial role if it came down particularly to the doubles. she would be really emotional mm. if they won the Fed Cup. Mm. Really emotional. I mean, just thinking about when she and um, Zhang won the women's yes. doubles at the Australian Open this year. That was one of the most unexpected moments of the year for me, how emotional they both were. I mean, I, I know there's the backstory with, with Zhang Shui and that she, she quit tennis, didn't she? And it was actually Stoza that persuaded yeah, her to come back. Such a lovely story. But given Stoza's history at the Australian Open and what a tough, tough time she's had there, for her to lift a trophy... Mm. In yeah, Melbourne was really poignant. Really poignant, mm. yeah. So I think, I mean, if they were to do it this weekend, that I think that would prepare ourselves mm. for some for some waterworks. Yeah, <laughs> for some waterworks. And I, I think the other classic Fed Cup scenario you've got here is that the French team are all physically very fresh because they weren't. Only Mladenovic was at the. WTA finals and she won the doubles so she's in form but the rest of the team arrived in Perth quite early they've been there a while they're fresh versus the Australia team where they're number one Ash Barty's obviously been playing right up to the end of the season pushing herself hard and Sam Stoza also played doubles in um, in Shenzhen but then again they're match tough they're match ready and I remember the Davis Cup final last year that was a big debate about Chilich and Chorich who had played at the O2 or Chorich was an alternate here and everyone was like well maybe they're tired well no they were just in form and they just could have carried that through the tie and I think it's I think it's better to have informed players rather than players who are fresh but they're fresh because they've not played a lot of matches recently which is what you've got a bit with France Who's going to win? I'm going to say Australia I think I think and I think Barty will go three and out. I think I can't wow. see her losing a singles. I think she's such a standout singles player. But I do think Tomjanovic might might lose both and they might come down to the deciding doubles. That would be my prediction. You? Well I've gone for Australia, haven't I? But David's unexpectedly gone for France. Mm. But we now have a system with our newsletter predictions where risk is rewarded. Yes. Um, so, yes, you made your prediction. David made his, and there was no third option no. for me. So, I, so I, I had to predict the next gen finals. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you go for? Dumanor. Right. 
classic. Classic, yeah. I yeah. feel like that's kind of cheating in the, a way. The risk-reward element has been introduced subsequent to some debate about whether it was acceptable to predict that Federer would win Basel. Yes. Because does that even count? I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not what the people come to our prediction zone for, is it? Right then, so Matt will be up at 3am to watch the Fed Cup finals. If you want to watch it live.fedcup.com. Um, you can watch it live on uh, the Fed Cup final, uh, well, the Fed Cup website. Um, so that'll be happening through the night over the weekend. Uh, David will be here to defend his case for France on Sunday. What time shall I go to bed? That's my big question with all this. Crucial question Will you be able to get a nap in after the tennis? As in, so what, 3 a.m.? What, what? Roughly, what expected finish time are we looking at for that? 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Will you then be able to get a couple of extra hours? Well, we're going to have to record our post-day one pod, I, aren't we? I, I can schedule that around your napping. Okay. Matt. Okay, let's say I can get a nap. If you can get a nap, I would say go to bed by 10. By 10. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Five hours. Get up, watch the tennis. Another couple of hours. Yeah. Doable, right? Yeah, I'll respect your right to a nap, Matt. I mean, I used I'm to do never this. Deny that. I used to do this all the time for the, watching the Australian Open. Yeah, but I've, I've had a taste of not having to watch the Australian Open on British hours, and also, suddenly I'm out of sync. I think it's easier to stay up than it is to go to bed and then and wake up at, at a weird three time. Yeah, too late. To it's stay not. Up. It's not the night. It's not the morning. What is it? It's, it's, it's the time when David Law has his ideas. Yes. That's what it is. Don't even think about it, David. Don't. If Matt's awake and receiving WhatsApps from you, I will be one time. Something's gone wrong. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. 
Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Um, just quickly, and we'll have more time for this tomorrow because I don't know if I've mentioned this, but we are doing daily pods. <laughs> um, Media Day here at the O2 today, they've done it a bit differently. They brought the two groups in together. We had group press conferences, which obviously you see at Davison Fed Cups and stuff, but you and don't Labor usually Cup. and Labour Cup. You don't usually see it among a, a group of players that that are opponents mm. for the tournament. Yes, and it was a bit strange, I must say. <laughs> it was quite cool to see the interactions between the players. That part of it I was very much on board with. Um, the difficulty is that it, it almost felt like Berrettini, Zverev, Sitsipas, basically anyone who wasn't Federer or Nadal, <laughs> kind of, I don't know whether they got off lightly because they weren't really asked many questions, um, or it was the lack of an opportunity to really get much of an insight into how they were feeling because naturally so many of the questions do go to Federer, Nadal and, and Djokovic in these situations um, they Are you all saying like that Berrettini wasn't inundated with questions? Definitely not inundated <laughs> he, did, he, he was asked a question and he answered it very nicely and politely and charmingly um, but yeah it, w- it felt like they'd all slightly just kind of woken up they were all they were all in their <laughs> that's what it suits. looked like with Zverev at the draw didn't it he yes. did like a he did a social media video to say I'm off to the draw and the draw- didn't mention the fact that he was running 45 yes, minutes late I was going to say the draw was late and yeah, now we know and why and he looked suspiciously <laughs> like he'd just woken up <laughs> um, but there were a couple of there were a couple of funny lines Nadal talking about how he's 33 and a half which I don't think is a thing when you get to 33. It's not, not, is it? It's like you're six and a half, seven and a half, but you're not 33 and a half. Oh, but, that's um, adorable. It, it kind of was, but I was like... Is that is that a Spanish thing? No. I don't think so. No. Um, and the other good line... Do you think I'd, he'll say I'm 33 and three quarters, three quarters in yeah. three months' time? And Ask him. No, note. I'm going to make a mental note. note. Australia, yeah. yeah. Um, and the other good line came from Medvedev. He was asked whether he is kind of following in the footsteps of Davidenko, who won, obviously Russian, won the first iteration of the ATP finals at the O2. And Medvedev said, yes, it's, it's cool that, Mav- that Davidenko won the first one, and here I am for the last one. Oh. <laughs> Either a very innocent mixing up of stats or a tremendous troll because obviously the last HP finals in London is not this year it's next year so maybe he's saying I'm going to be here next year as well maybe it's sort of a, a, a subtle bit of confidence disguised as getting his facts wrong I well, feel, knowing Medvedev I think it was probably the latter deliberate, yeah. well I um, I spoke to, to all eight of them today and I'll we'll have more time to tomorrow to to go into the the little nuggets that I picked up but Daniil Medvedev without too much prompting promised me that he would do the Medvedev dance if he wins on Sunday epic and I didn't mention winning I said are the British crowds going to see the dance and he said actually you're not the first person to ask me that and his face really lit up I think (laughs) David if you're listening and concerned about being left with only the memories and the metronomic winning of titles 
I think, well, my experience of him today, I think, would allay your concerns a bit because I asked him about, you know, how he's expecting the crowds to receive him. I'm sure he was asked that in press conference as well. And he didn't back away from it. He wasn't trying to distance himself from you know, being a bit of the bad guy and developing a reputation for, for stoking up crowds. He was embracing that. Um, and he had that glint in his eye, which is what we That's what we all want to see. So fear not, David. Yes. And probably should say the other line from Nadal about his injury, the fact that he started serving yesterday, so Thursday, but taking it very slowly. He knows how to serve, though, That's basically he? what he said. He basically said, I just need to be fit and then my serve will be yeah, fine. which is like Serena said at Wimbledon. Exactly. Yeah. I know how to I play I know how tennis. to play tennis. One of my favourite lines of can't, the year. Can't dispute that. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we know what matches we'll be seeing um, on Sunday and Monday. We'll start with the Agassi group on Sunday, which is the Federer Djokovic team Berrettini group, and then we get the Bjorn Borg group on Monday. I find those um, group titles a little bit bizarre because those two weren't in the same era, but whatever worthy namesakes I feel like last year they were on was it the Quirton group last year yes and I feel a like Hewitt. the next logical step is is the Federer group in terms of era have and they had a Sampras group I think so oh right so I think they've oh, had to they've back had to back. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like a what will they be they'll be a sort of Juan Carlos Ferrero group yes. soon <laughs> in a few years time they'll be the, the Grigor Dimitrov group yeah the Barissa Tegi group um yeah, so the Bjorn Borg group Monday, which is Medvedev, Tsitsipas and Nadal Zverev. So we'll preview those matches tomorrow, um, have some more nuggets from Media Day and whatever else we've picked up from being around about in the Media Lounge. Pretty quiet here at the moment. We've had our lovely lunch. It's definitely exceeds. I was having a bit of a flashback of our <laughs> French Open experiences being here without David uh, desperately hoping that the equipment wouldn't fail on me I mean famous last words I hope you're hearing this and it sounds alright in which case the equipment hasn't failed me um, but the very importantly the food is just a world away from what we experienced in Paris so hooray for that um, I think that's about it for our Fed Cup final preview any other business Matt? No I think that's it oh we need we've been instructed to mention that the next gen finals is happening folks next gen finals is happening Dimonor's going to win it apparently everyone's going nuts for Yannick Sinner aren't they he's the he's the guy he's this the time. guy to watch next and he, he year, is super cool and he's had a haircut which I find a shame yes not that it, it's he looks fine but he was so identifiable mm. anyway hair grows it's all <laughs> fine um, so next gen finals is happening are the tennis also happening? Matt will be watching it at 3am. Uh, we are brought to you in association with The Telegraph daily throughout the Fed Cup final weekend and throughout the Nito ATP finals and then throughout the Davis Cup finals in Madrid. It's a lot of podcasts, folks. Stick with us. We hope you're enjoying them. We're exactly produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y. Um live on Prime probably should mention that too all the tennis next gen finals ATP finals all the tennis folks we'll be back tomorrow Hold up 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 